Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. We're going to continue the series that we started last week. We called it, uh, the series is called A Faithful Church. Our, our theme for the year is faithful. Today we want to talk about being a faithful church. And today uh, we're going to continue in Titus with the topic of tough love. And uh, uh, we looked, finished last week talking about being trustworthy and trustworthy in doctrine. And uh, we'll move on. So as I recall, I think it was the 80s, maybe it started in the 70s. Uh, there was a, a methodology of, of parental discipline called tough love. Anybody remember that? And uh, it was supposed to get unruly children under control uh, through an unbending commitment to rules and boundaries. And I, I will say this, I'm not convinced it was very effective. Um, I think it was... Um, more about tough than it was about love. Um, it was also the era of those, you know, working with juvenile delinquents to try to keep them out of further trouble called Scared Straight. You remember many of those programs? And uh, there's some horrible stories out of that program. Um, I think it was probably abusive or borderline abusive. I understand the intent was right, but um, the idea was kind of scare these kids into living a good life, living a straight life. And forced compliance can achieve, a forced, you know, submission can achieve compliance in a person's life, but it cannot achieve cooperation. And, and so we're going to talk about what are we really talking about with tough and love? Can those words really go together? A heavy handed approach, um, for example, to somebody struggling with, with, you know, behavioral issues, mental health challenges, personal trauma. You get heavy handed with someone like that. It's going to backfire. It's not going to go well. Um, you know, for example, if you tell a homeless person, hey, just, you know, just get a job, get your life together. Uh, that is a complete denial of of the immense barriers to employment and, and to significant personal challenges, mental health issues. So you, there's a much more loving way to do things. And so the title of the message today, Tough Love, is a bit misleading. Um, I'm not promoting tough love in the sense that I've talked about here with parenting and, and, and so on, but, but discipline is still necessary, including in the church. And you're going to see in today's passage that sometimes there is a portion or an emphasis on the tough part so that we can do the love part. And that's what we're going to come to. We're going to see this in Titus 1. So we're going to pick up at verse 10 of Titus 1 as we look at some of these kind of bad characters that needed a a dose of toughness. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, I would invite you to do so. Titus chapter 1, picking up at verse 10. He says this, There are many, for there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk, and deception, especially those of the circumcision group, they must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it, 
Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Let's be seated together. Not exactly the most um, uplifting way to start your week, is it? Not a cheery, feel-good kind of passage, uh, but it's necessary. You may recall that we ended last week at verse 9 with the, the, with the challenge that the church needs to be led by elders who are trustworthy in doctrine, right? That's because of what comes in verse 10 and 11, uh, that there's troublemakers who need to be silenced. Shepherds uh, need to be forceful enough uh, to, to chase off wolves. Um, it's it's not a gentle posture. There's no kind of efforts at reconciliation with these folks here. It's the brute force of a tough love, which is hard for us to reconcile uh, in in our in the compassion that we want to have. But here's the thing: there's a toughness with those who are deceptive, so that we can have a love for God's people. So love for God's people, tough on the deceivers. You need leaders that will fierce fiercely and assertively defend. The flock. And while it seems again that this passage is harsh, I think there's three lessons to, uh, that I want to draw out of here to, so that we can be a faithful church. The first thing I want to say is this. You want to be a believer who loves the church. Be a believer who loves the church. I'm going to confess to you, I love the church. And I, I wonder if you do. And I'm not talking about just Bethany Church, and I'm not talking about just your favorite element of the church, your your favorite program or activity that we do, but I mean the body of Christ, the family of God. Do you love the church? When you drive here on a Sunday morning, I'll bet you you pass several other church campuses. For me, it's like Mountain View, and then there's that Clovis um, Foursquare Church, and then if, if I come up Fowler, then I'm going to get to the Emmanuel Lutheran Church, and I'm going to pass the Missionary Baptist Church. I'm going to pass North Park Church. If I go up a different way, there's... You know, any way I get drive here, I'm going to pass a bunch of churches. And I will often pray for those churches as I pass them. Why? Because I want those churches to thrive, and I want them to experience the presence of God as they worship together and as they're in the Word together. And I pray that their pastors will be faithful in the Word for them, and that they'll be trustworthy in doctrine. I pray for them because I love the church. And in verses 10 and 11 here, Paul's talking to Titus about about teachers. These are not just random people. These are people who are teaching. And he says they are rebellious. It's a word that can mean undisciplined, unruly, insubordinate, right? Is And then he calls them empty talkers. He calls them deceivers. These people impress you because they sound really good. They're super spiritual. Uh, they, they, they make it known to you that they've got a teaching gift or they've got a prophetic gift or they've got a discernment gift or somehow their prayers are a little bit better than yours and 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 people will flock to them for insight because it does sound impressive 
But they won't. Here's the catch. Here's how you know there's a problem. They won't submit to the body. They, they, they're quick to point out the church's flaws and failures. They cling to past hurts from other Christians. They won't tithe to the body. They won't take direction from the pastor or the elders of the church. They love to complain about the body. They promote themselves. And Paul says they must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families. Their teaching splits apart husband and wife or parents and children. It's, a, it's a, quite the indictment on these people. And I, I, you could compare it, for example, to marriage. Right? I love my wife. I really do. She's sitting right here. And for some reason, she claims to still love me. It's amazing. And it's pretty obvious from the way she treats me. So, it's, uh, here's the truth. We're really boring to the therapist. Just trying to find something. But um, there's... You know, we just, we like each other. We like being married. We enjoy each other's company, right? But not only do I love Becky, and not only do I love being married to her, I love marriage generally. I, just this week, it was, it was early this week, I was at a coffee shop doing some work, and there was a, there was a couple at the table next to me, and I, I didn't hear what they were talking about, but I could hear the tone of their voice, and the way they listened back and forth to each other, and kind of their body language, I thought, Man, that couple really loves each other. They're, you know, and I even said, I just gotta say, you guys, like, it's really cool that you seem to have a great marriage. I mean, I said, I'm assuming you're married. They said, yeah, yeah, to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right? But it was encouraging to me because I love marriage. And so my point is this, that a faithful believer not only loves their home church, their own church, but they love the church. The bride and the body of Christ, the family of God, every church that is faithful to Christ and faithful to his word is an easy church to love. And so we want to be those kind of people. Be a believer who loves the church. I I would say some even simple things like this. When you're on vacation, use that as an opportunity. If you're gone on a Sunday, use that as an opportunity to find a local church wherever you are and worship there and see what it's like and get some experience. Like, wow, we, we don't do it that way, but it's still the body of Christ or whatever. Love the church. Listen to your pastor and to your leaders. Ignore rebellious, unsubmissive types because they're not helping you love the body of Christ. And, and, and I'll finish with this because Paul begins by calling them rebellious people. Don't ever embrace the label of rebel. Oh, we're just, we're just rebels. Hey, we're just, I'm just a rebel. Never embrace that label because, um, it's not good. The scripture has nothing good to say about the rebellious. First Samuel 15 says that rebellion is the same as witchcraft. And so we, we don't want to be rebels. Yes, there's a time to resist evil. We resist tyranny, all those things, but we love the church in all her forms. Secondly, the right kind of tough love protects the church. The right kind of tough love protects the church. You see this in verses 12 and following, 12 to 14. Paul uh, did not hold back with the name calling. If this were today, Paul would be banned on every social media platform, except maybe now Twitter, because Elon Musk bought it. And uh, everybody's all excited about this. But look at verse 12. He says, one of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. And this saying is true. 
Can you imagine if someone said that on social media, we would tear them to shreds, right? You think, oh, now, come on, Paul, don't hold back. I mean, tell us what you really think, right? He's he's laying it right out there. And, And why would he come down so harshly on these guys? Surely they just need some love and some guidance and some, you know, maybe someone could just sit down and reason with them and, you know, hold their hand a little and show some acceptance and understanding and, you know, they'll come around. He's like, no, rebuke them sharply, he says, right? I think there's a bigger picture here that Titus needs to protect the rest of the body of Christ, the rest of the church from these characters, because sometimes the most loving thing to do is to perform a surgery, right? No one wants to go under the knife, but if there's a cancerous tumor, you want to take it out. And that's that's kind of the picture of these guys. Paul says, rebuke them sharply. The goal is that they'll come around and, and be right. The goal is that they'll teach right doctrine, but you've got to be firm, he says, with them. And again, I'll say, I'll say it this way. The people he's talking about are very religious. They're very spiritual. He, in this case, they're the ones pushing the Jewish rules and regulations uh, onto the church. So they know Scripture. They know their Bibles. Uh, and sometimes, um, you know, you just think, oh, wow. So sometimes um, we think we can just win people over uh, by just being nice. But I, I liken it to this. It would be like taking, you know, a rotten pear and putting it in the fruit bowl, thinking that all the other fruits will get together and make the pear good again. Right? It doesn't work that way. That won't happen. And so um, we we want to protect the body of Christ. Um and from those who would who would dam and protect against those who would damage her. So good leaders fiercely protect the church from those who teach lies. There's a there's an old cliche, you know it well. Actions speak louder than words. About a third of you know the saying. Actions speak louder than there you go. Right. You know it's true. We tell it to our kids, uh, we witness it every day. Uh, sometimes people don't need to say a word because their body language says it all. In this very perfect marriage that I have, um, she laughs the best. In this very perfect marriage that we have, sometimes there's a disagreement or a tiff. And she might say, oh, I didn't say anything. And I say, you said it all. By a look or your body language or something, right? Or she can read me and say, what's wrong? What's going on, right? Our actions will speak louder than our words. It's the same thing in our walk with Jesus. It doesn't matter how strong my theology is. It doesn't matter how watertight my Bible knowledge is. It doesn't matter how perfect my attendance record is. Actions matter more. And Paul says it this way in verse 16. We've got this one on the screen. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for doing anything good. There's Paul with his name calling again. By their actions, they deny him. How about you and how about me? Right? What do my actions say about my faith? What do my actions say about my faith? By the way, none of us are perfect. No, no one gets this right all the time. But, but let me ask it this way. 
would your coworkers or neighbors or classmates or employees or customers or clients or patients or students be surprised to discover that you're a follower of Jesus? I mean, if they read what you say on social media or if they saw how you conducted yourself on the ball field or in the, in, on the work, you know, on, on the work site and the job site, would they be surprised that you're a follower of Jesus? And, and, and we want to go back to verse 15 for a moment. To the pure, he says, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. So just as you, you, you know, your, your life will demonstrate what you really believe. I mean, you could apply this on, on, Various levels. I'm not on Facebook anymore, but um, when I was, I had this old high school friend uh, on there. He lives a thoroughly immoral lifestyle, like wildly so. And um, I care about him, but I had to block him on Facebook because the posts were often lewd and um, everything was double entendre. And I, I just couldn't have that in my life. To the corrupt, all things are corrupt. And Paul says that their mind and their conscience are corrupted. Meaning, their thinking is warped. And they have no remorse for sin. They have no remorse for wrong teaching or wrongdoing. They have harsh judgment on other people. But then when we take this verse back to context, Paul is very specifically attacking these super spiritual false teachers. We call them, typically we call them Judaizers, so-called Christians who are pushing Jewish rules and regulations, purity laws and practices on others. And, and Paul's point was that you don't need to fuss about, you know, eating what's kosher or, or following ceremonial cleanliness rules because when you live in the purity of Christ, you live in a freedom of purity. You're not so worked up about those things because you're living in that purity that that I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus has already made the way. He's already sanctified for me. And so it affects everything that you do. That lack of freedom, or the freedom or the lack of it, I should say, will will show up in, in how you live. Again, verse 16, that first part. New Living Translation puts it this way. Um, Such people claim they know God, but they deny Him by the way they live. They're not denying Jesus by what they say. They're denying Him by the way they live. False believers think that, you know, Christy, why don't you and the worship team come back to the platform. Uh, false teachers, here's the catch. False teacher thinks that they're saved by their religious lifestyle. Right? But it's backwards. You're saved only by faith. And your lifestyle demonstrates whether your faith is in Christ or whether your faith is in yourself, in your own actions, in your own deeds. Right? So you live for Christ not to be saved. You live for Christ because you are saved by God's grace through your faith in Him. So the question comes back to, what do my actions say about my faith? So to be a faithful church... We want to love the body of Christ. We want to protect her fiercely. And you want to let your actions demonstrate the purity 
of your faith. That's a faithful church. People doing that makes a faithful church. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You for um, Your church, Your body. Lord, we're not, we're not perfect. We heard it in Scott's testimony that you're, you're working on us. You are faithful that what you started, you're going to finish, but it's not going to be finished until the day you appear. And so we say we're going to keep walking forward. We're going to keep loving your body. We're going to keep loving the church. Lord, we want to extend tons of grace to one another. Lord, we want to protect this body too. We want to protect your church so that we can be fully on mission for you, not holding back, not not getting sidetracked, but being fully on mission for you. Or that's what we want to be. And we want our lives to reflect what you've done, what you've accomplished in our lives is what we want our lives to reflect. We do not want to deny you by the way we live. God, I thank you by your grace, by your Holy Spirit. You make it possible for us to walk with you. And when we mess up, we can make it right. And we can keep coming back to that right path with you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your word and all the good things that you teach us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com. Thank you.